Good morning and welcome to the Daily Oz. Oh, it's good to be back with everybody for another week in the hot seat for the news. I'm joined by Zara Seidler, the co-founder of the Daily Oz and absolute news extraordinaire. Zara, I hope you got some outside time on your weekend because it sounds like for much of Eastern Australia, we're in for a very wet week. But today is a really big day for a lot of Australians. Zara, why is that so? As of today, Australia's borders are officially open with every state and territory, except for WA, though we do know that that is coming soon, opened to vaccinated international visitors. Now, we know, of course, that the borders have been shut for almost two years, thanks to COVID-19, with Prime Minister Scott Morrison saying yesterday that there are 1.2 million people around the world who are, quote, visaed up and can come to Australia. The Australian Defence Force has accused a Chinese Navy vessel of shining a laser at an Australian aircraft. So, according to the ADF, the situation occurred on the 17th of February. Prime Minister Morrison said on the accusation, quote, I can see it no other way than an act of intimidation, one that is unprovoked, unwarranted, and Australia will never accept such acts of intimidation. Storm Eunice has killed at least 12 people after strong winds left significant damage over several parts of Europe. Yesterday, it was reported that 400,000 people in the UK had lost power, with cleanups in multiple countries now underway. The storm is one of the most damaging in Europe in years. And today's good news, Australia has concluded its most successful Winter Olympics of all time, winning four medals overall. That was one gold, two silver and one bronze medal. Freestyle skier and three-time Olympian Sammy Kennedy-Sim was Australia's flag bearer for the closing ceremony. It's not going to be that reliable thing on our television screens as it has been for the last almost two weeks. We're going to have to find something else to watch. Maddie and Sophie join me for a very special Monday episode of You're In Good Company Meets The Daily Oz. We need to bring these guys in to break down some of the weirder, more complex, more jargon-filled finance stories of the week. Guys, it's been a week since the Super Bowl. It's been a week since the Avengers lineup of rappers at halftime. But I'm interested to talk to you guys about the advertising aspects of the Super Bowl, a massive part of the day for Americans and everyone around the world. Did we see any brands actually get a return on their investment and do well out of these ads that they paid millions for? Yes. So it's definitely an interesting one. I guess during a lot of sports events, people don't really care about the commercials, but in terms of the Super Bowl, these ads cost a lot of money. They they sell for upwards of $6.5 million for 30 seconds. So you would hope that they get a little bit of return. So you hope they get a bit of return. And $6.5 million seems like a lot of money for you and me. I would love to have that in my bank account. But interestingly enough, it's actually not that much money for these companies. Stake, one of the brokers in Australia, created a really clever post on Instagram last week that calculated how long it would take this year's advertisers to earn back the money that they spent on advertising. So for the US telecommunications company AT&T, it would take 20 minutes. For Pepsi, it would take 44 minutes. For some of the beverage companies like Budweiser, it would take 55 minutes. For Salesforce, it would take two hours and 15 minutes. And for Uber, it would take two hours and 30 minutes, which in the scheme of things is not really a long time. So I think we can all be pretty comfortable that these brands make back the money that they spend on the ad and they have a bit of fun as well. And it's often a time where there are super creative advertising ideas. 
Are there any material effects on the stock markets when these type of events take place? Interestingly enough, there was some research done out of the US which showed that companies that advertise during the Super Bowl experience benefits to their stock price as well, performing an average of 1% better than the top 500 listed US companies in the 10 days trading from the Monday before the big game to the Friday after. So a couple of examples from this year we've pulled out for you. So one of them was Coinbase, which was one of our favorite ads. If you didn't see it, it was a little QR code moving around the screen like the DVD player. Unfortunately, it never quite hit the corner perfectly, which is really annoying. But if you scan this QR code, you would get $15 of free Bitcoin. And the share price of Coinbase jumped from $194 to the high of $214 last week, which is up 9.8%. And some other examples included Uber Eats, which was up 5.7%, Salesforce, which was up 3.4%, and also Amazon, which was up 3.9%. So even though that initial $6.5 million Sounds like a lot of cash. There actually seems to be a lot of benefit in doing so. And so, Maddie, talking about domestic markets now, I'm sure many of us have visited, driven past, heard of in the news, not always for the right reasons, Crown Casino and the Crown Holdings Company. They actually got bought this week. I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. Sure, I will do my best, Sam. So as we know, Crown has been in a little bit of trouble over the last 12 months or so, whether it be royal commissions, licensing issues, or money laundering. So private equity company Blackstone first approached Crown in March of 2021, offering to buy the company at a price of $11.85 per share. Now, after many a to and fro last week, the firm increased their offer to $13.10 per share and Crown's board has recommended that its shareholders accept the offer. Now, you might be wondering why would Blackstone want to buy Crown given the last couple of years it's had? Well, actually, Blackstone has quite considerable experience buying, overhauling and selling casinos across Las Vegas, Europe and Latin America. And casino industry analyst, yes, that is a thing, Ben Lee has suggested that Blackstone isn't actually interested in owning Crown over the long term, but rather that they'll take ownership, cut costs, fix it up and sell it for a higher price, which is an approach that's quite common for private equity. And so talk me through what exactly private equity is. You've mentioned it a few times now, and I'd love to kind of dive deeper on that point. Yeah, so private equity, or often referred to as PA firms, are a form of private investment, i.e. investments that are not listed on public exchanges such as the ASX. So people, generally high net worth individuals, invest their money with PA firms as a way to, I guess, gain exposure to investments that they wouldn't otherwise be able to have. One of the ways that PE firms generate returns for investors is through buying underperforming established companies like Crown, where they think that they have the ability and expertise to make the company better. So remember, companies listed on the ASX have all sorts of requirements that they have to abide by. So think quarterly earnings announcements and reporting. So by taking public companies private, as is the case for Crown because it's currently listed on the ASX, Blackstone is able to, you know, remove the company from public scrutiny that they're getting all the time and really allow it to take more of a long-term view, bettering the company rather than trying to keep shareholders happy in the short term. I kind of think of it sometimes as like 
flipping an unrenovated house and putting it back on the market a couple of months later. People whose job it is is to find houses in maybe good areas that have potential to become better and snapping them up for a bargain and flipping them around. Sounds like some pretty interesting work. It's Monday morning, so what is on your radar as you're sipping your coffees this morning for a big finance story that you're keeping your eye on this week, guys? A finance story that I will be watching this week, even though it occurred last week, was that the Aussie lithium miner Liontown Resources signed a five-year contract with Tesla to supply 100,000 tonnes of lithium per year. I'm really researching the lithium space at the moment. I think it has a lot of potential with the electric vehicle market. So it's one I'll be watching and one I'll definitely be researching as well. It's going to be really interesting to see some policies coming out of both the major parties and the lead up to the federal election around electric vehicles, Sophie, and as more companies from Australia get picked up by Tesla and those kind of giants, it's a really exciting space. Maddie, is there anything that is catching your eye? Yeah, late last week, Origin Energy announced that they're shutting down one of their coal-fired power stations five years early, which sounds like great news, but there's been a bit of fallout coming up to the election with people concerned that we're not going to have enough energy for power. So keeping a close eye on this one to see how the markets react. Two big energy stories from the YIGC ladies to kick you off on your Monday morning, hoping that charges your batteries. That's all we've got time for on The Daily Oz this morning. It's been a pleasure having Sophie and Maddie from You're In Good Company on the podcast. You can listen to them wherever you're listening to this podcast. Have a sensational Monday and we'll be back in your ears tomorrow morning.